Hi, my name is Christy Kramer, and this is Michigan Unsolved, the new true crime podcast that is solely focusing on cases out of Michigan. I today am again joined by my guest host, Ozzy. He is a six-month-old rescue, and he's still suffering from a lot of anxiety and uh, does not want to be left alone. So if anybody has any tips, please feel free to contact me on the uh, Michigan Unsolved Facebook page because I am definitely open to suggestions. (laughs) Love him dearly, but he is a handful. (laughs) Um, okay, so after episode one and episode two, I kind of wanted to get away from doing cases regarding children because it is very emotionally draining, not only for me, but I know for the listeners as well. But when I came across um, the case for this week and the case for next week, they really go hand in hand. And since Christmas just passed, I really felt that it was important to tell these stories now. So Today's is the story of 16-year-old Paige Stalker. So let's get right into this. Monday, December 22nd was just three days before Christmas in 2014. It was supposed to be a happy time. 16-year-old Paige Stalker was at home and had just enjoyed dinner with her family. Her mom, Jennifer Lawrence, had cooked lasagna and was preparing to make pies for Christmas. Paige was on winter break from school, and her and her older sister had plans to go see a 9.30 p.m. movie at Partridge Creek, which is an outdoor mall here in Clinton Township. While Jennifer was in the kitchen rolling dough for the pies, her older daughter came downstairs to look for Paige, and she asked her mom where her sister was. Jennifer said that Paige had just been there a few minutes before, and they looked around, but Paige was gone. What Jennifer would learn about an hour later was that Paige's best friend, Mia, had come by to pick her up. It is still not known exactly why. Paige's sister waited a while for her to return, but not wanting to miss the movie, she took her little brother instead, leaving Jennifer to continue with her baking while she waited for Paige's return. About an hour later, Jennifer received a call that would change all of their lives. She was told Paige had been in an accident and she needed to get to the hospital right away. Shortly after arriving at the hospital, she was told that her daughter was dead. What would happen next would lead to a whirlwind of questions that eight years later she still does not have answers to. Paige Paige lived with her family in Gross Point, Michigan. This is an affluent community with large, beautiful homes and manicured lawns that sits along the shores of Lake St. Clair. But just beyond the border of this quiet coastal town lies a city with a reputation. As I mentioned before, Paige was picked up by her best friend, and when they got into the car, when she got into the car, she climbed into the front passenger seat. There were three others sitting in the back seat, two teenage boys and a teenage girl. Now Jennifer Lawrence does not believe that Paige knew the other teens. The group then drove two miles from Paige's home into the city of Detroit. You see, Gross Point and Detroit merged together with a distinct sense of abandon. You leave what some would consider mansions for vacant lots before you even realize it. Now, I personally do believe that anyone, especially teenagers who lived in that area, knew where they were going and what kind of area they were driving into. Honestly, 
it's very hard for anyone who lives within 25 miles from that area not to know how quickly your surroundings can change. And I say this as a local resident. Paige, Mia, and the others arrived at the corner of Charlevoix and Phillip Street, which was described by former Deputy Police Chief Renee Hall as desolate and empty. The group had pulled over on Phillips Street and were sitting in the car when a tan-colored late-modeled Cadillac pulled up in front of them. It is reported that an African-American male, approximately six foot tall, dressed in camo, got out of the car with an AK-47 and opened fire on the teens, unloading what is believed to be at least 30 rounds into the Mercury Milan. Mia, the driver of the car, was able to speed away and drive to a hospital just two miles away. Paige, Mia, and the two boys in the back seat were struck by gunfire. Paige had been struck in the chest and then the head. She was killed almost instantly after the second shot. The other victims survived their wounds. I will not be releasing the names of the three in the back seat or Mia's last name since they were all minors at the time of the shooting. But one of the teens was a 16-year-old boy, and sh shortly after Paige was killed, he told Click on Detroit that all was quiet in the moments leading up to the eruption of gunfire. He admits that the teens had stopped to smoke marijuana. He said that a man wearing a ski mask pulled up next to them. The shooter then got out and flashed a gun at them. And, quote, we hurried up and did a U-turn, drove up on some grass and hit a tree. Then he shot the side of the car. He shot the girl in the head and shot blank in the arm. And then he shot me in the arm. I did find his wording interesting as he referred to Paige as the girl. And that leads me to believe that Jennifer is correct, that, he, that Paige did not know at least one person in the back seat. The crime itself was over in seconds, but the aftermath is still brewing. Now, I want to tell you, I'm sorry, i got to get this little monster off the floor here. I've already stopped this podcast eight times. I'm not doing it again. He needs to just chill. <laughs> uh, Paige Marshall Stalker was born on January 28, 1998, to Marshall and Jennifer Stalker. She was the third of four children. She has two older sisters and a younger brother. Paige was a junior at University Liggett School in Gross Point Woods. She was on the All A's Honor Roll and played lacrosse. She was a volunteer at Gross Point's Beaumont Hospital, the same hospital she was taken to after the shooting. Paige had planned to participate in a medical mentorship program because she wanted to become an OBGYN so she could deliver babies. She was well-known and loved in her community as a very popular babysitter. She even managed to save her babysitting money and buy herself her first car, which she was incredibly proud of. Paige is remembered as a bookworm and someone who made friends with everyone, including those who were isolated. In a letter one of Paige's friends wrote to her parents, it said that Paige was secure in who she was. She was not interested in who was cool and who was not. And she was beautifully unapologetic about who she was and what she stood for. And a neighbor of the stalker stated that Paige was always so bright and mature. And Paige's own mom says, everyone she knew she touched 
She was an angel on earth. So how did this sweet soul end up leaving the world forever, 16? There are very few facts actually known in this case. The more research I did, the more frustrated I became. Every article over the last eight years has been different. The police and the prosecutor leave you feeling empty with each statement. I spoke to Jennifer Lawrence last week, and she told me that she wants to know the truth of what happened that night, and she wants someone to be held accountable for her daughter's murder. But a few years ago, she stopped calling and stopped going to the station, because every phone call and every visit was like setting herself up for failure and heartbreak. All she was ever told, over and over again, is we were still investigating. But what is it that they were exactly investigating? Because in, there are a number of theories and statements by the police, and the sheer number of them is astonishing. The most wide, widely believed theory of why the kids drove across the invisible border into Detroit was to smoke pot, like the 16-year-old in the back seat said. Honestly, this is the one theory that does make sense to me. When I spoke to Jennifer, she was very adamant that her daughter was not reckless and did not smoke pot. I told her a story about myself being Paige's age and getting into my friend's car to go cruise Belle Isle, which was the thing to do in the 90s. And before I knew it, the three others in the car had lit a joint and started to pass it around. I did not know that was going to happen and I did not smoke. I told her that it was quite possible that Paige just wanted to hang with her friends and whether or not she knew that they were going to be smoking marijuana, she made the responsible decision not to. And, just like Jennifer said, the toxicology reports after Paige's death proved that she was right. Paige had no marijuana in her system at the time of her death. Now, this is where things get kind of crazy. There isn't a lot of detail about what exactly happened, but I'm going to share with you some of the theories and some quotes from law enforcement and from people with knowledge of the investigation. On December 24th, two days after the shooting, CBS Detroit reported that police believed it was a drug deal gone bad. This was very early in the investigation. And however, if the kids were there smoking pot and nothing stronger was found, I personally find it hard to believe that a drug sale of marijuana would leave a car riddled with 30 bullets and a teen dead. CBS Detroit also reported that police said they were getting conflicting reports from the survivors about why they were in the, quote, Detroit neighborhood. Okay, that bothered me. Let's remember, they were literally blocks from Gross Point, two miles from Paige's front door. It's not like they drove 20 miles deep into the city. And let's be honest, if they went there to smoke pot, they probably drove to an empty block where they wouldn't be seen by an adult they knew. At the time, former Detroit Police Chief James Craig said the shooting was not considered a random act of violence. Could this be because they wanted to give false sense of security to a community that was beyond angry? In the early days, it was reported that maybe one of the teens in the back had money on them and told someone about it, so maybe it was a robbery. Or that one of them had a sibling that was involved in some nefarious activity and the shooting was related. Both theories seem highly doubtful to me, but what do I know? The thing is, is this was a spur-of-the-moment trip. This was not planned out, so how would anybody know that they were going to be there? 
2015, Click on Detroit interviewed Chief Craig, and at that time, he said they were still working on the case as if it was yesterday. And Chief Craig also stated at this point, robbery or carjacking was a potential motive for the shooting. In 2017, the Detroit Free Press reported the biggest leads to date. They said that the shooting... They said that the shooting happened at approximately 9.15 and that just moments before at the corner of Mack Avenue and Alter Road, which was about two city blocks from where the shooting happened, there was security tape from a wild gas station that caught four men in a Cadillac that is believed to be the car containing the shooter. They state that it's believed that the men in the Cadillac had a drug beef with another group. In this video, you see the Silver Mercury drive by and then the Cadillac follow. It is speculated that the men believe the Mercury contained the rival group. It is reported that the men followed the Mercury to Phillips Street and opened fire on the teens sitting in their car. It is also reported that it was not only one but two shooters, but this has not been reported again to my knowledge, so that is just speculation. Paige's grandfather, Dave Lawrence, has led the charge to find his granddaughter's killer. He told the Free Press that he felt tired and hopeless at times, but he was not giving up. He even reached out to Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan and was able to get a meeting with him. He met with the mayor for about a half an hour, and Mike, Mayor Duggan was able to get some information from Mr. Lawrence. Mr. Lawrence told the Free Press that part of the AK-47 had been located in Ohio and police had identified the four men in the vehicle that is believed to have contained the shooter. Detroit former assistant chief Steve Dolent told the Free Press that they believe they found the killer. He stated, I think we have the right guy. I believe that because I was there. Homicide did their job very well. The Detroit Free Press did reach out to the police for comments, but the only statement they would give was that there were no updates at that time. In 2019, Deadline Detroit spoke to an anonymous source who said that authorities have identified four suspects and three were behind bars serving sentences for carjackings. But if this was the case, why could they not prosecute for Page's murder? But this is where the information stops. So many questions are left unanswered. I asked Jennifer if she had been able to get any information from the kids in the car, and that is when she told me that in the eight years since Paige's death, she has not spoken to any of them, even Mia, Paige's best friend. Maybe it's survivor's guilt that's keeping them quiet, or maybe it's something else. But regardless, Jennifer does not know why her daughter got into that car that December night. In 2017, Channel 7 asked Dave Lawrence what he missed most about his granddaughter. His response, just the joy that she was, pure joy. Paige touched so many lives that between private donors and crime stoppers, a reward for tips leading to the arrest and conviction of her killer or killers has reached $163,000. And in 2017, when it reached that amount, it was the highest reward in Michigan history. And at this time, I'm unsure if any other has surpassed that. Also, Bowman Hospital created a scholarship in Paige's memory. And the University of Liggett School created an endowment scholarship so that it will live on for years in Paige's name.
At Paige's funeral, Reverend Scott McKinney described Paige as kind, compassionate, and driven. He continued with, What better way to have Paige's life carry on than to deliberately choose the best qualities of Paige to guide our own lives? Nothing will give Paige back her fam to her family, but any tip or lead that can help give Paige the justice that she deserves is very much needed. Paige was just a child, sitting in a car with friends, just two miles from her home. Wrong place, wrong time is not a reason to lose your life. I'm the mom of an 18-year-old. Every time my son leaves the house, I get it. Ozzy. Next week's, next week's case is completely separate from Paige's, but connected at the same time. Both young women with big dreams and bright futures taken from this world. Two families brought together by violence. Next week, next week, we'll discuss the murder of Christina Samuel on December 24th, 2014, just two days after Paige. And like Paige, she was shot while sitting in a car on Detroit's east side. Join us next week as we discuss Christina's murder and the legacy both she and Paige leave thanks to their families and their desire for justice. Michigan Unsolved would like to thank Jennifer Lawrence. Click on Detroit, CBS Detroit, WXYZ, Deadline Detroit, and the Detroit Free Press for their coverage over the years of Paige's case. Until next week, this has been Michigan Unsolved.